Hey, what's up? Welcome to Humor and the Abject, episode 52. This is Sean J. Patrick Carney. No obtuse sound collage intros for you on this episode, Screedlers. This is a special bonus, one that has a somewhat more serious angle than some of the previous episodes. This features somebody who is near and dear to my heart, one of my two younger sisters, Quinn. She is a school teacher in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Leading up to the March for Our Lives this Saturday that's being organized by students across the country, I wanted to check in with her to share with all of you the perspective of somebody who's in the classroom every day. If for some reason you aren't familiar yet with the March for Our Lives, it comes on the heels of the deaths of 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, at the hands of a shooter wielding an assault rifle uh, a little over a month ago. The March's central hub is Washington, D.C., but there are going to be 800 sister cities also participating, uh, including Denver, where my sister lives and teaches. It's primarily being organized by students who are calling for an end to having to fear for their lives every time that they step into a school, which, if you are a kid, is the majority of your time. Uh, I talk about this a little bit on the episode, but when the Columbine massacre occurred in 1999, I was... Uh, I just turned 17 years old, uh, actually five days before it happened. Uh, I was sitting in my science class uh, in Mr. Kirby's room at Traverse City West High School uh, when somebody, I remember if it was a teacher or another student, came rushing in and told us to turn on the news. Uh, West High School had recently been built, and we were fortunate enough to have televisions in our classrooms, which was you know kind of a big deal in 1999. Um, my classmates and I watched the news uh, just like absolutely stunned and I couldn't fathom what was happening uh, because it was it was unprecedented. Now, 19 years later, I can't even connect to those feelings of horror because this happens all the time, constantly. There have been 17 shootings in schools so far this year. Uh, that's about one per week, and they do vary in scope and scale, and not all of them qualify as a, quote, massacre, unquote, but... With the march approaching, it's been irking me that I just sort of stare at Twitter every time that these things happen and I feel less and less affected by each one of them. Uh, That's an awful thing to say, but I'm just leveling with you. Um, So to try to pull my head out of the sand, I guess, I invited Quinn to join me over Skype uh, this evening. It's uh, March 21st. I'm going to be releasing this late tonight, so it'll be there for people in the morning. Um, because I want to talk to her about how she's feeling, how her students are feeling, and whether or not uh, this world is categorically doomed. Um, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for giving my sister the chance to share her story and her perspective. So here's my conversation with one of my two younger sisters, Quinn Carney. Little sister, younger sister, Quinn, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Thanks for hopping on Skype with me this evening. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I just finished parent-teacher conferences. Day one. how long? Day one? How many days? Two days. Two days. How long is your day when you do parent-teacher conferences? I got to school at about 7.30 and I left at about 7.30. Good 12-hour day. Nice. Yep. you get paid uh, overtime for that? Um, we get like trade time, so whoa, they'll oh, so add hours up, and then we get a day off. Oh, actually, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, can you tell uh, can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you're located, um, and what it is that you do for a living? 
Um, I live in Denver and I am a first grade teacher. So I teach kind of on the north end of Denver. Um, I've been at this school for, this is my fourth year in first grade at this school. Um, uh, it's a public school. And before that, many, I taught at the, what? Oh, I was going to say, how many kids about are in the whole school? So it's it's elementary. Is that like first to sixth? So it's or, kindergarten through eighth grade. And there's... Kindergarten through eighth. Yeah, there's probably about 50 kids per grade level, I'd say. So like oh, wow. two, so not, two classes per grade level, not a huge school. Oh, okay. So not terribly big. Um, and how long have you, you were just about to say, how long have you been in education previously? And what, what types of schools or contexts have you been teaching in? Um, this is, I think this is my eighth year in education. So I've been here for four years before that. I taught, I was a first grade teacher at a Catholic school for three years, and then I taught pre-K at a different Catholic school for a year. Those are in Seattle? Seatown? Nope, all in Denver. All in Denver. Oh, you were teaching? I was a substitute teacher. Oh, you were a substitute teacher, yeah. I can't believe you've been in Denver that long. That feels really weird to me. It's pretty crazy. Does it feel weird that I'm asking you questions about where you live and what you do for a living? Yeah, but it's also like uh, it's so, so people, much time it's, has passed it, that you probably don't well, even know. <laughs> no, I know. But people people who are listening don't know. I mean, I just saw you and see you multiple times a year. But um, so I wanted to ask some questions because leading up to the march um, for our lives on Saturday, this is, as I mentioned in the introduction for the podcast, obviously a little bit of a departure from the usual content uh, that we cover here, like art and comedy. Uh, this is a little more serious. Um, not that art can't be serious, but do you, in in your work as an educator, uh, have you had to lead active shooter drills with your students? Um, we practice, we call them lockdown drills. So it essentially would be the equivalent to an active shooter being in the school. So they like announce over the announcements that we're going into lockdown and lockdown. I mean, it means that someone dangerous is inside the school and in Mm -hmm. real life, we would imagine that would be someone with a gun. So we lock our door, we turn off our lights, we hide all the kids in the corner. They're like, hiding under my desk, basically all crammed in there. And the cops and our principal will come around and like jangle the door handle and like try and like knock on the door and try to like pretend that they're trying to like get in, which even as an adult, and I know that it's a drill, it's still like kind of terrifying to have someone like banging on the door, trying to get into it when you have 25 little six-year-old staring at you like <laughs> what's how happening are, how yeah how do they um deal with the drills i mean i i imagine older kids often probably just kind of don't take it very seriously um but yeah i imagine first graders are a little more freaked yeah they're pretty like i feel like four years ago we never did this and the first time that we ever did it I had like traumatized children who like I had to write a letter home to their parents telling them that we had had this drill and that it was practice and that they needed to talk to their kids about it because 
we like had a big conversation afterwards, but they were just like, I mean, they asked questions. The first one of the year, they always ask questions afterwards. And they're like, well, what happens if they break the glass on the door and they reach in and open the door handle? And the real answer, (laughs) yeah, the real answer to that is we all die. But I have to tell them that there's no way to break the glass to the door. (laughs) Or like, they'll say, what if there's you know, what if there's a dangerous person outside of the school and also one inside of the school and the person on the Mm -hmm. outside shoots through the window? And again, the answer is we all die. But, you you know, I tell them, like, the cops would show up right away. They'd be outside or, you know, like, it's you're just trying to reason through all these things. But they come up with every scenario that you would think of for that any or that any active shooter would clearly. Exactly. Um, are you, or, are, is there special training or anything like that, that you've had to do or what, what, I mean, I'm sorry to ask this, it's kind of rough, but like, what are you expected to do in the event of that scenario? Like you can't protect 25, six year olds, right? It's, no matter what, it was always AR 15, right? <laughs> and if I try to, I'm no longer alive and then they have to protect themselves so I mean it's it was always you just hide like you just shut up and you hide you don't open the door for anything you just like if someone actually gets in the room you stay hidden which we're not hidden anyways so that doesn't work but then all of a sudden this year they had the yeah (laughs) the sheriff the sheriffs came in before school this year and did a training with us where I mean I think they're like kind of updating their training as things in real life happen and this time it basically was like okay so you still go you still hide you know you still do this is the first step but then if someone comes into the classroom identify like 10 things that you could use as a weapon inside the classroom to try to stop this person or yeah exactly or children erase marker (laughs) draw disguise on with dry erase markers (laughs) and like i mean i think i feel like now the trainings are more okay in a realistic situation what would your gut tell you to do in this and like that's so like that's such a crazy thing though because there's no there's literally no accounting for that like how you would and then you have no idea and the nuance of how you would respond is entirely dependent on the hyper specifics of whatever's happening. So I don't, I mean, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's such a weird thing to think about. Like, I mean, I guess better than not training the kids to hide under the desk, but like, Jesus Christ, um, do the, do the kids talk about, I mean, I know they're really young, but is this something that they talk about outside of these active drills? Like, are they cognizant of, the news and when these things happen, do they talk about it in class at all? Um, my students, I've heard quite a few conversations and I think part of it is that my school is in a neighborhood where in the last couple of years we've had quite a few actual lock out situations, which means that there's activity outside of the school. So like, it could be like 
a police chase or like a shooting that happened in the neighborhood. And so basically we can't let anyone yeah. into the building or out. So we can still have our door open. We're still like learning, but right. the school, we were like locked out to other people and they'll announce it. And I mean, it's probably happened five or six times this year where it's an actual, like there's a shooting in our neighborhood or there's like a cop was shot a couple months ago and they were still searching for the subject in the morning right next to our school. Or there was a shooting that probably no one else except for people in Denver heard about, but there was a Walmart shooting where a guy walked into Walmart with a gun and shot three people and killed them. And they still hadn't caught them the next morning. And when they finally did catch them, they caught them two blocks from my school. So we were on lockout all morning long. So I think my students like know they just like know about guns and know about people (laughs) having guns. I mean, it's, it's funny. That's um, I, I don't know why I didn't remember this until you just mentioned that. But when, remember when I was teaching in Virginia, um, there was like an app that you had to have if you went to the school or you taught there. It was like a, a Virginia Commonwealth University safety app that like the yeah, police yeah, yeah. department ran. And we, there were, we had those constantly. I mean, and it's just, if yeah. you are in a city, it's like, of course that that's going to happen all over the place. I mean, I'm sure in the schools in New York here, I'm sure it's a oh, somewhat yeah. regular occurrence. And anywhere that you're in a metropolis, it's like you're going to be near some kind of crime. And of course, they're going to put the school on lockdown, probably. I mean, unless you're in like the some gated neighborhood. I don't know if they have schools in those. I've never really been to one. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Either. But um, well, so yeah, that's interesting to think. I mean, to think about being six and I mean, they also live in a big city. We didn't grow up in a big city. So I'm sure it's a different thing That's all the way true. around. But do you, And they hear um, about like the news, like just mm-hmm. right after Florida, I was, <laughs> I had these two kids working on math with me up at my like teacher table and they were cutting things. They were like cutting shapes out and sorting them. And all of a sudden the two of them just started talking about Florida. And one of them was like, yeah, did you hear about Florida? There was a guy with a gun and he he shot kids. And the other kid was like, oh, did he shoot people because he wanted money or did he shoot people just because he didn't like them? And the other kid was like, no, he, he, they were making fun of him. So he was mad at them. And so he brought a gun to school and he shot them. And they just like went back and forth talking in like a matter of fact, six-year-old way about this shooting that had happened. And I like eventually kind of cut in and changed the subject, but it was sort of fascinating just to hear like they were having this tiny little conversation between two tiny little people about how someone walked into a school with a gun because people were making fun of him and he decided to shoot all his friends basically. Do, uh, do you find yourself having to, or feeling like you're supposed to be initiating conversations within the classroom or with them about it? Or is it kind of more related to, I mean, I'm sure you have plenty on your plate already and it's like, I'm sure your day's really busy and you can't just be like, and now we're going to talk about um, the, the politics of gun violence in first grade yeah. classrooms. But <laughs> I mean, it's it, mostly it's like more responsive. responding yeah, to them yeah. and they'll like, I mean, they'll say things to each other and then there's kids who like don't 
have any idea that anything happened. And then other kids who are like telling them what happened. And it's, it's hard as a teacher to be like, okay, where do I, like this kid is telling another kid about this thing that happened. That's real. It did happen. Yeah. And am I supposed to stop him from like telling this other kid? Cause it's going to scare this other kid or like, I, I mean, I had one of my students was at Walmart the night that the shooting happened and he was there Jesus. when it happened. And he was like, his parents, like everyone started running out and he, I mean, he like matter of factly told me about this experience he had the next day. And I was like, that's insane. And so he, you know, was sort of like talking to his friends about it and kids were like, what, there was a shooter at Walmart? And half the other kids were like, oh yeah, my aunt was there. You know, it's like, they're going to talk about it. And some of them yeah. know about it and some of them don't. And where do you, you know, how much do you bring up? How much are you like, all right, let's change the subject. Let's not freak out the kids who don't know about this, but. Yeah. Do you, um, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but is there, um, is there security at your school, like above and beyond what I guess, like I thought of as security when I was in school, which was just, there's like a, a campus police officer. Or so I don't even know if the ones in Traverse City <laughs> were armed, to be honest with you. All I know is that they busted kids for smoking cigarettes yeah. at the smoke hole. And they that would was, like chase kids when kids tried to skip school. They, were true, they tried they were to truancy yeah. officers. Yeah, that's basically the ones what, what they were. The ones at West High School had like a golf cart. They yeah, even cops. <laughs> but there was there was like a cop at Central High School. I remember. But are there? And I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But I was just curious if, like, at an elementary school, if that's like a situation. Just because I know that Colorado, too, as a state, is. I mean, it's like the the site of the original, right? of Columbine. It's yeah. the site of the, uh, the shooting at the Batman premiere. It's, yeah. uh, you know, um, we have, we have a sheriff who is like her job, I think is that she works in association with a couple schools in the neighborhood. And so she's like our designated, sheriff's deputy that we call if anything's happening and then she has she does have assigned times that she's in our school um but she's not like at the door guarding the school it's like when she's at okay. the school she's like in classrooms or she's talking to kids or she's you know dealing with the drug deal that's going down in middle school <laughs> but and she's she's armed Some i mean she's weed. sheriff but she's yeah and she's wearing her said, uniform but she's i don't know why i just said dirt time. weed this is it's Colorado, no, you guys. Your teens probably have really good weed. Yeah. Have good pot. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And I'm, I guess I'm not asking as much about like, I'm not trying to figure out like if the cop is doing their job, or but more just like, I was wondering about the optics of like, are the kids coming into school and they're like armed people that they're seeing all the time only because I'm, you know, that seems like psychologically it would just sort of imprint in yeah. somebody like, well, this is, this is an inevitability and here's the and here's the um person who's going to save you um yeah we're just waiting but, for it to happen <laughs> and now i know that i mean obviously you can't speak for everybody that you work with let alone teachers at large as a profession and i wouldn't ask you to but i guess maybe anecdotally if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about how at least the educators who are your peers or or your colleagues that you count as friends um who are, it sounds like primarily elementary and middle school teachers, um, how they're feeling with all of this. Are they, 
dealing with it? Is it just something like I can't even add this hypothetical to my already like overworked plate? Um, or what, what is the kind of, what are the conversations that you're having with other teachers? Um, it definitely kind of varies between teachers, which was kind of surprising to me at first. Like we've, I mean, everyone definitely feels like totally overwhelmed by the fact that you know, not only are we supposed to teach these kids, but now these kids are like a lot of them are legitimately terrified to come to school and are kind of like waiting for something to happen. And then on top of it, like we're thinking that as well half the time. Um, And so the conversations with other teachers are, you know, it's similar to like what, um, yeah, it's similar to what, um, I feel like happens in America in general, where like when there's a school shooting the next day, it's like all we can talk about. And then within like a day or two, even we as school teachers have like kind of stopped talking about it or have sort of like put it into the back of our minds. The Florida thing was definitely a huge shift. And I think that the huge difference is that these kids are like, screw you guys like you're not gonna help us we're gonna you know come together and we're gonna make something happen and it's like so that one's definitely sticking around and even that talking to other staff members it's like you know we'll talk about just people's response to all right what's the solution for this and we'll you know be sitting around eating lunch together and like talk about how insane the politicians are and what a terrible idea everything is. And why don't they ask the people who work in the schools and why don't they come see what the kids are experiencing? And, but then there's also like, you know, I have some friends who are teachers who are like big hunters. (laughs) And so I'm like, part of me is like avoids bringing up the topic with them because it's like, I know they probably have guns and are all for gun rights, but also like, they're good people and they've got to understand that there's like some boundaries, but so it's like, it's weird that it's like, even within the school community, like it's kind of a touchy subject. You don't really know how everybody stands on it. It's interesting how much that's, um, how much it's managed to become politicized when it's like such a fucking no brainer. Like, yeah, exactly. No, no guns in school and, uh, you know, like, I mean, we, we grew up in Northern Michigan kids in class. I remember high school yearbook photos. I think kids had their rifles in them. Like, yeah. I remember you were allowed to take the first day of deer hunting season off of school. That like, wasn't a thing. It was pretty part and parcel that just people had guns, but it was an entirely different climate. And it mm-hmm. was like people, it wasn't politicized to the thing where it became like that you were somehow allowed to have a, like literal weapon of mass destruction on your person carrying around in public at all times. So we can't restrict access to it's just, it's, it's interesting how that's, it's interesting and frankly stupid how that's become politicized when it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I have a really ambivalent relationship, I think to, uh, gun rights. Um, I, I feel very torn on it. Um, you know, but I certainly don't, there's literally no reason for any human being to own an AR-15 rifle. Right. It's fucking stupid. Like, I don't care if you need a, 
if you're not good enough at bow hunting to shoot a deer with a bow, then fine. You can have a gun. You can have a rifle that you can shoot it with. But I don't know. Um, but I mean, as you know, I've been working with these high school kids like this last year. And they generally, you know, this is a totally different age group, but they generally play it really cool. And they try not to broadcast like those specific type of emotions, particularly like I think around like fear and anxiety uh, related it's interesting. They, they're fine with being openly anxious, but not in relationship to this. I don't really know how to describe that, but maybe that makes sense. Like, yeah. like, I, like it's okay to be emo in high school, but it's not okay to admit that you're like afraid of like danger or something. Right. Um, but I, I just, I've talked with them about it and, you know, but some of them are actually pretty forthcoming. They're like, I'm scared as shit. Like, and I live in a city where like, you can't even have a handgun. Right. Like, and they're still, um, you know, just terrified by the concept of this abstract thing. And I, I kept thinking about, uh, when I was in high school, I, I was in 11th grade. Yeah. I was in 11th grade. I was in Mr. Kirby's science class and Columbine happened and they were showing it on the TV. And I, I don't think I could ever put myself in the emotional state that I was in at that time ever again, because it was so foreign and so catatonically paralyzing and just surreal. And I, it just, it made so little sense and there was no precedent for it. And since then I have just become increasingly, increasingly more numbed to each event. It's like you were just saying, you know, Parkland happens and that conversation has managed to be, you know, continue a little bit of momentum, but it's so frequent that it's gone in a few days or a week. And, and I see the things and I'm just like, Jesus, another, it's become an abstraction. Yeah. It's like hearing, it's like hearing about a car crash at this point. Like as a kid, the first time I saw a car crash, I was like, Oh my God, what happened to those people? And then now you just, you just drive by it. Cause you've seen dozens and hundreds of them in your lifetime. Yeah. And it just doesn't resonate the same way. I mean, I don't know what, were you in, you must've been in, if I was in 11th, you would have been in like eighth grade, eighth maybe eighth and Columbine happened. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, I don't remember being at school and finding out about it. I remember watching like the news and stuff at home and just being like, yeah. you know, totally confused, totally blown away. Like what the fuck is happening? This is insane. But also like, oh, well that would never happen you know, where I am. And that's like insane mm -hmm. that this happened, this one time thing that, and I also remember even more vividly, uh, Newtown. And I remember mm. being a teacher, being a first grade teacher at the Catholic school. And it was like shortly before Christmas break and all the parents were coming to pick up their kids during car line. And, somebody like heard the news and started telling other people. And it was like, everyone was like flipping out. Like, how I'm is sure. this happening? Like, Oh my. And I mean, that was a, how many things have happened since then. But even that was like such a big deal at the time. And so scary at the time. And like, since then, you know, God, how many have there been this year that like, we don't even hear about half of them uh, because only three the, kids the, were killed or, you know, yeah, the thing I looked at said 17, it's like one a week almost. And this what is did like, it, say? it said 17 so far. Yeah. Um, and this, in, this includes, I, it's only times when people were injured. And of course, every one of them is not like a, a massacre, 
not that that is the only qualifier for whether someone should <laughs> care about it, but I just mean, they're so like, I mean, there was one on, yeah, there was one on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so frequent that it, it becomes impossible to maintain kind of the, uh, a larger scope of empathy about it because you have to be able to live your life or do your job. Um, do you think that, I know you said that it's even within the school system, it's complicated and people have different politics. What about sort of publicly in Denver at large? Do you have any like kind of take on the pulse of that? I know Denver's a, you know, a capital L liberal city, um, but it's in a state that's, you know, it's just, it's kind of like Portland and Oregon, you know, yeah, it's like, it's a big state. There's a lot of different types of people. Um, I just don't know if the publicly what what you're kind of gleaning from the way that people are thinking about these things. Also, just because Colorado has been the site of two of the like most notorious right. mass shootings. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Denver, I think my feel from Denver and probably part of it is like who I surround myself with in Denver. But it's like people are you know, blown away by this, like we need to make a change and like want to be a part of the movement. Colorado at large is so, you know, there's so many rural areas and so many (laughs) different types of people out there, but in the city, it's definitely, I feel like most of the people that I come in contact with are, you know, like something needs to change. This isn't okay. But I think, it's all, I mean, I, I really think that a lot of people who aren't in schools all the time and, you know, in their mind, they're like, oh yeah, something needs to change. Like this is fucked up. This isn't okay. But they like, I mean, even I in a school put it in the back of my head sometimes, but it's like seeing these kids and seeing how freaked out they are and seeing like what a big deal this is. Like, I just wish that everyone could, like, talk to one of these kids and be like. Well, they don't want to, though. I mean, the people who are the people who are clamoring for all the shitty policies and things like that are like pretty much like the safest, most privileged people in the world. Oh, yeah. Who like never have to worry about corporeal violence or any type of bodily harm coming on to them. And they don't give a fuck. Right. And they never worry about this. And people who are just. And they're able to foment this kind of like political anger of people who identify with their like micro politics of religion and social values to turn this into something where those people forget that, you know, so what you have a tough job because you work in this or that, like nobody goes and shoots up. Right. Like people don't shoot up banks, like bank robberies. People don't get shot in them. People don't even rob banks anymore. Get real. Like that's true. <laughs> if they do, they pass a thing and it's FDIC insured and you pass it over the thing and like whatever. But I mean, what do you yeah, think that... about, I think I, well, I already know the answer to this, but what do you think about the calls to increase the number of armed guards or in the more extreme to train teachers and, uh, and then, uh, arm them. Do you want a gun? I mean, I think your room? what you what you brought up about armed guards. It's like kids walking into school and seeing armed guards as they walk into school. When you know, it's like school is supposed to be your safe place. You're here to learn. You're here to like prepare for your future. But you have to like walk past these 
people who are very clearly standing there to save your life when the shooter shows up, you know, like that can't be very comforting. And are they going to do their job when it comes down to it? But then arming teachers, like, I mean, first of all, we're told very explicitly during a lockdown drill that if, if a cop like busts open our door and looks into our room and sees me standing and my kids are all sitting. If they see, yeah, if they see an adult standing up in that classroom, the cop is going to shoot me. So they tell me very clearly, you need to sit on the ground with your kids. You need to look like a kid. Like if we walk in and we see a grown up, we're going to shoot them. So imagine if they see a grown up standing there who also has a gun in their hand, I'm definitely going to get shot. And then on top of that, like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to have a gun. <laughs> like, yeah. But, and where are you going to keep it? We, like, there's some classrooms that can't, like, they've had to ban scissors because there's children <laughs> who can't handle using scissors. Like, what's going to ha- you think they're not going to get a hold of a gun? And also, the chances of a shooter coming into the school that is a former student or a current student who, like, a ton of us have a relationship with you know like what are the chances that a teacher who's armed is going to be able to shoot and kill yeah, one of yeah. their students or one of their former students yeah. who has a gun like that it's not going to be a stranger it's going to be someone that we have a relationship with and it you know Most there's likely, just yeah. and they know the lay of the land exactly like they literally it's like they have home field advantage as much as any teacher does except they're not towing around 25 kids that they're also protecting like the odds it's just insane and the other thing too is to have armed guards at the school it's like especially depending on the population of students it's like you said school is supposed to be the safe place where like those kids are already growing up in environments where there are armed people around them all the time yeah. who are like who are uh officers of the state who are executing people in their communities with impunity yeah. like they don't need to fucking have armed police officers everywhere like they don't trust the cops right. they're not going to trust cops just because they're in the school like i can't imagine that leading to anything but like multiple uh accidental shootings of students yeah like that's <laughs> so many kids are going to get killed if they start doing that and i know that there are already schools that have armed guards and things like i'm not ignorant but i don't know and and then i mean i mentioned it a minute ago but the shooting at great mills high school in maryland on tuesday this kid who i think was a current student maybe a former student came and shot two other students and there was this school resource officer um blaine gaskill was his name and according to the reports he fired on the on the person who had the gun the person with the gun fired back at him and the person with the gun died and and you know it's it seems pretty clear that the officer shot the student and so all of these pro-gun pro guns in school nuts which is just that's like different than a pro gun nut right like a whole different yeah, level for um, sure. all of these people are going to point to that and be like see the good guy with a gun but it's just like we said like the uh scott peterson is that his name the dork cop <laughs> outside of the parkland high school who's on video running up and down outside while just kids are being mowed down yeah. with an assault rifle inside like these people aren't brave they're not gonna i'm sorry they're just not gonna Humans are humans and like you're not going to run into a school unless you like kind of have a death wish or you're, or you're just like so badass. And unfortunately, most people who want to become school resource officers (laughs) 
they're not that badass. Like, that's just, I'm sorry. And they're also going to ignore that guy in California who just, like a reserve cop who was a teacher doing a gun safety demonstration who fired his fucking weapon into the ceiling while trying to show kids how not to, how to not use a gun irresponsibly. And the shrapnel, the bullet hit a kid in the neck. Like, just these bozos and yahoos with, like, who don't know anything about actually operating the firearm. Oh, they're just yeah. like, give it to them, hand it over. And then they want to give like Miss, uh, Miss Thompson, like the art teacher. <laughs> you know, in, and the idea Vermont, of like giving, fucking... giving certain teachers bonuses if they right. are willing to be trained and be one of the person, one of the people who are armed. And it's like, do, do you realize which teachers are going to sign up for that? Oh, like yeah. those yeah. are not the teachers that you want to be having guns. No, in no, 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 no. Those are the <laughs> teachers who have been wondering if they should just quit and become a cop for you. Yeah. Those are the people, those are the people who sign up just because they want to shoot somebody with a gun. Exactly. Um, and the other thing was like, I don't, I mean, I don't know the exact specs of it, but I remember reading one of them and it was like, we'll give teachers a $500 bonus, pay for their, um, pay for their training and give them up to like $400 in reimbursement for a weapon. And it's like, if you're willing to tote a fucking firearm in a school for just $500, then like you're a psychopath. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not a good teacher if that's what you want to do. Um, but, um, and you can't that... even buy us pencils and paper. We buy our yeah, own no crayons shit. for our kids. Like you're going to pay to arm us. Really? Oh, yeah, Where's pay... that money coming from? Well, clearly, I mean, if we cut through the bullshit, it's literally like this is a money game and the entire purpose of it is in order for like the NRA and gun lobbyists and politicians to have campaign money. Like it's so fucking transparent. It's not even it's not even funny to joke about or like even a hot take to point out. It's it's just so the I don't know. It's so like demoralizing to just watch how stupid this shit is and then see Mm -hmm. somebody like Betsy then see some like wretched wretched ghoul like betsy devos even like (laughs) smile where her teeth are trying to escape her body like just hideous horrible person but anyways um so are you gonna go there's a march for our lives in denver on saturday you going to that yes we are okay so if you get pulled aside by um a reporter or somebody and there's you know we know what the march is for the march is to sort of say you know we don't want this to happen again there needs to be some kind of reform but it's like any larger movement um it's its message is kind of lofty and broad right because it's yeah. kind of hard to pinpoint it's really specific so like quinn what are you like why are you marching like what is what do you want to what do you hope to demonstrate in mass with all these people? What do you want to communicate? Um, I think part of it is just so me and everyone else who's a part of this can like believe that there's a force behind this and there are people who give a shit about this and that it's not, you know, you hear so much from gun rights psychopaths and people supported by the NRA. And it's like, for me personally, I just need to like be a part of and believe that there are a ton of us out there who are like willing to speak up and willing to like fight and make our voices heard. And I also, I mean, I think part of it too is that I, 
teach these six and seven year old kids who are like little baby children who I'm supposed to teach them how to read. I'm supposed to teach them how to write and I'm supposed to teach them how to be good people and like prepare them for the rest of their lives. And for example, last week we had a tornado drill at the end of the day, one day. And one of my kids like went into full on panic mode, like couldn't breathe. Couldn't, he was like bawling, shaking, couldn't speak, was like losing his mind. And we go to the gym for oh. drill and he like gets down on his hands and knees and his whole body shaking. Hold on. Sorry, you cut out a little bit there. Did you say you, you all went into the gym for the drill? Yeah, we all went into the gym for the tornado drill and this kid is like having an all out panic attack. Um, and he, he can't like express to me why he's so scared. All he can say is that, like, ask me if it's real. And mm-hmm. he, the tornado drill lasted like probably 15 or 20 minutes. He's like shaking the whole time. He's like terror. And he's a very easygoing, like happy go lucky kid. And he, like the look in his eyes was just pure terror and we came back from the drill and he like could not calm himself down. He couldn't get out of it. And finally he was able to sit down and talk to me and all he could say, and he's still like, he's covering his face with his hands. He's still shaking. He still can hardly speak. And all he finally said was, I thought it was a gun. I thought it was like Florida. And I just like, it was like this moment of realization to me where I was like, for 15 minutes sitting in that gym, that kid, it was his reality that there was someone with a gun inside our school trying to kill us all. And he was just waiting for that person to walk into the gym and start shooting us. And it was real to him. Like that's what was happening in his world. And he, nothing that you said, nothing like he could not get himself out of that. And that's like, it was a tornado drill. It wasn't even a lockdown drill. It's just like these kids are these little kids are terrified. They have, they have PTSD. Yeah, they totally like just do. From, just from absorbing the reality that they live in and what's going on. I mean, that's insane to think of a six-year-old. And then, I mean, I know it's it's here nor there, but you take that kid's experience in, a, in an imagined situation. Yeah. You multiply that by every kid in a school in a real situation and all of the teachers and faculty and you try to think that there's any kind of order or real response that's going to happen that's like going to be a productive way when someone has an ar fucking 15 and magazines and magazines of ammo just marching through mowing people down like give me a break like just there's no there's no like band-aids that you're going to put on this and the damage is like already done to these kids oh yeah they're they could you imagine if like, could you imagine if from the time that we started school every day, that was like a possibility? I can't even believe what like kids no. are processing. Like, it's, it's we never thought of that. That never crossed our mind. We never then, felt unsafe at school in that. Well, no, and our, and our teachers certainly didn't either. Now you and everybody that you work with, even though even people who are playing tough, it's like, doesn't matter. That's on their mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Um, So I wish that like everyone, like I just wish I could take this kid and take his expression and take his eyes with me on this march and be like, 
all you people, like, just people. look at yeah. this kid. This is what he's experiencing. This is real. This is why I'm doing this. Like, you, we have fucked up big time, and we need to try to do something to make it better because and after that my class came back and we like talked about feeling safe at school and we came up with this list of reasons that we feel safe at school and they you know they varied from we practice a lockdown drill so that if anyone comes into our school we know what to do or another kid was like the teachers here love us and our friends are here to play with and somebody else said I feel safe at school because (laughs) somebody else said I feel safe at school because the walls are the same color as my house. And like these kids are brainstorming a list of reasons trying to convince themselves that they feel safe at school and they're six and seven years old. And it's like, we messed up. Like that's not okay. They shouldn't have to come up with a list of reasons convincing themselves they feel safe at school. That's not okay. Jesus, you know what I was thinking about earlier today was if the, if the March for Our Lives is like, because there's 800 cities that are doing it, I think I read. If the scale of it is as kind of impressive as it probably will be or something, I was just like, those fuckers are going to try to change the voting age. They're not going to raise the age of when you can buy a gun. They're going to make it so you can't vote until you're 21. Probably. So just to eke out like just to eke out three fucking more years of power over people. I mean, cause I hope, I don't know. I mean, these kids are going to be fucked up. It's terrible, but I hope to God that they process that. I mean, it's a, it's a weirdly mature generation of people. I mean, the high school right. students that I'm working with are, are, are so knowledgeable of like what's going on in the world far more, far more than I ever was yeah. for, for a variety of reasons. But my hope is that, I don't know. I mean, all these old fuckers are going to die and I can't wait. I'll dance on their graves. I'm so (laughs) excited. I, I think it's, I love when like a, a rich old white man, shitty politician dies and everybody just dunks on them on Twitter and people are like, don't come on, don't speak ill of the dead. And it's like, man, fuck Antonin Scalia gives a shit. (laughs) Fuck him straight to hell. Like fuck Ronald Reagan. Fuck them all. Who cares? Like, it's funny. I'm glad Ronald Reagan is dead. (laughs) But that's just me. I'm not putting that on you or, or teachers. <laughs> teachers aren't saying that. But um, Quinola Bar, I know that it is a school night and I've kept you on here for a little longer than I said I would. But thank you very much for sharing some perspective from your personal experience as a teacher. Uh, yeah, of course. Means a lot. Means a lot to have you on the show. Uh, miss you. I will see you uh, in July, if not before then, right? Yep. Sounds good. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I love you very much. I miss you. Love you you too. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Thank you. You too. Bye.